0: we mm-hmm. 131 of Eventually Super Train, a short lived TV show podcast. We cover short lived TV shows that never got enough love. Eventually, we will cover Super Train. I'm your main host, Dan, and we're going three shows at a time, as always. Thank you for joining us. We're just celebrating our sixth anniversary, so now it's our sixth anniversary and a couple weeks. Yeah. So, we're starting this episode with uh, great Kiki Wrights and myself talking about episode nine of Tales of the Gold Monkey. Then Christopher Bly and myself talking about episode 16 of Battlestar Galactica. And then Kristen Hawes and myself discussing episode 3 of The Middleman. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. We're starting with some monkey action. Listen to this. Tiger, episode 9 of Tales of the Golden Monkey, written by Donald uh, P. Belisario, directed by Virgil Vogel, December 8th, 1982. This is when Jake crash lands on an island where there are a bunch of basically, there's an Amish community and it's sort of in Japanese territory and um, she, he kind of gets sort of involved with the widow lady who has a son who is out to kill a tiger that's roaming the land and there's also a very interesting Japanese gentleman who is causing some trouble for the Amish people. But we will go deeper into that. But um, uh, K.W. and I are on the other side. There's a little burst of music. The Lady and the Tiger. Yeah. The Lady being um, Anne Lockhart and the Tiger being a real tiger, I think. I don't think we're meant to... That's not meant to be a um, metaphorical tiger or anything like that. This is the... I. Haven't counted episode of uh, Tales of the Go Monkey Eighth, ninth, something like that And one of the rare episodes only written by one person Mr. Dono Belisario, Which is odd for this show But um, I have here the great, the wonderful, we all love her Kristen Hawes, how are you, Kristen? What is happening?
1: Um, well, I'm not being hunted by a tiger Nor am I hunting
0: a tiger yeah.
1: What's going on with you, Dan?
0: Same <laughs> <laughs> Hang it out, just talking gold monkey. It's gold. It's monkey chat time, everyone. We're gonna we'll start off as we always do. Uh, what did you think of this episode?
1: Okay, I hope this makes sense. I like this episode more than I think I should, mm. or more than I expect to. Because every time I mm. see it come up, I'm like, oh god, this. And then I watch it, and I actually enjoy it a little bit more than what I yeah. think I will. Um, it's there's. This is one of those episodes where it seems like the 80s were filled with tropes that like every show had to do and one of those tropes is the leading man had to fall in love with some single mother mm-hmm. and bonus points if, she, if the big hangup is that she's from some other religion because we yes. have Amish people and mm-hmm. they are full on Amish here naming their cattle Sarah and <laughs> which was a little confusing for Jake and using thee and thy and thou and all of that so I, I mean yeah I kind of like it better than I think I, I should mm. I don't know How did, what do you think of it
0: I, 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 I liked it more as it went along Um, it was one of those episodes, and there's a lot of 70s and 80s shows that do this to me, where an episode starts off, and when I figure out what it's up to, and I'm like, oh shit, we're in Witness. Uh, (laughs) Oh no, and... uh, And unless it's going to be like Sledgehammer, when he winds up in the, is it the many note community, and the gangsters are after him, that's funny, I like that. But this one, they get there, and they're speaking in their these and thous, and you get this little kid running around, just shooting randomly at everything, um... And, um... It, now, it is Anne Lockhart, who I like very much. And I met... I met briefly at the, uh... The, um... Last Doctor Who convention I went to, because she was there, uh, Like, a lot of... They have a lot of sci-fi related guests and things, and she was there because she... Obviously, she was in uh, Battlestar Galactica. Um... Uh, and I always like her. She's she's uh what is it, she Sheba I, right on Battle Circle Actually, I believe she that's her name. Don't get mad, I know, because we're gonna talk about circle Galactica. i probably mentioned her in about twenty minutes, and if I I forgot her name, Chris is gonna be pissed. But um <laughs> and, she, and she's on there and she's in um she was in um uh two episodes of B J and the Bear. She plays Pogo Lil. Uh she's great. I always like her when she shows up in something. Uh, she's got a charm, very very much sort of, um, she's got a, um, uh, she's got, she's very, very charming like her mother, but she's a little bit more than her mother, if, if you, if you know what I mean. I wasn't making a tiger noise there. Was, well, it was kind of. Um, uh, so, uh, so, so I like that she was in it. Um, the, 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 yeah, the obstacles I had in the beginning were one, once you see what trope it's going to be, you think, Oh, gosh okay, uh, this, is, this is so easy to just do so kind of blandly that you don't know, like no one wakes up. It's like, oh, we're gonna have him crash. It reminded, It actually reminded me of a Battlestar, the Battlestar Galactic episode where Apollo lands in the western community where the guy in charge has a Cylon that has lost its memory and he has to help like a mom who doesn't have a husband and their kid protect them from the Cylon and this thing it's almost exactly like it except I like this a little more than the Battlestar Galactic episode and yeah when you, like you said when you see it you'll know the tropes you'll see them immediately you'll be like oh, okay it's one of these but then this one does something fun if you can get past the little kid who I didn't really like until the very end once, when the kid does the thing where he, he, he sneaks and gets on the radio and then the last scene or two with the kid I like those, sort of the emotional scenes at the end, but the scenes with him shooting randomly, including shooting at, at Jack and shooting at the, at the, at the plane um, just makes him look like a little pardon my French, a little dipshit and, and he was just kind of annoying more than anything and I'm saying the S-word a lot in this. I don't know why. I apologize everyone. I'll, I'll probably bleep it out. Uh, well, I might not. Um, but he, it's, it's just, um, it's just. I mean, I like the, the incongruity of two Amish people, uh, and one of them is a little kid with a shotgun trying to shoot a tiger who keeps attacking them. There's something fun about that. That's not something you saw and Witness, if I remember correctly. Uh, so, so, but there are a lot of. It, it, it is one of those where, as you go along, then you meet the head Japanese guy who pretends to be the the Western star Buck Owens. Is that the name? That was the name, right? I can well, they, they call you yeah, that. They,
1: they kept calling him Buck. I
0: don't know yes. if it was Buck Owens, but I, oh, I thought that, I thought that's I thought or was a Buck. Um, what's the 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 I forget the uh, the Cowboys uh, the the famous cowboy guy. He was one of the guys who died in that huge fire in New York City um, in like the early 40s or something and I, 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 I'll find his name but yeah they were calling him Buck and it's because he was watching one of this guy's westerns and he decided to become this guy so it's this it's this big Japanese guy pretending to be um, uh, a cowboy star which and, and kind of the, the incongruity of the little kid with the shotgun chasing the tiger and the little kid's Amish and the Japanese guy pretending to be a white cowboy star enough of that kept me interested to get to the point where you get to the big climax and it's actually and it was actually I rather was uh, rather affected by the ending of it and the moment when he leaves the mom and they kiss and and um, um, and she's like I forget what she says you know, like am I going to see you again are you ever going to come back blah blah blah, blah. and he said he just says the world's getting smaller every day <laughs> and then the moment he left I thought if there was a second season they'd go see them again Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So it's one of those episodes. If yeah, if you are, if you, if you can get past the tropes, and you can get, you can get, if you can get about halfway into it, yeah, I think it gets better as it goes along. And by the end, is um, is 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 not. It's I I didn't stand up and cheer, but by the end, I thought, yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Although although there was a moment when the when the plane is 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 pulling is leaving the shore, and you see the shot of it going, and you know there's that big rope that goes from the front that attaches to like the wing in the back, mm-hmm. and as it was pulling out, I saw I saw that bef- and I attached to the front, and I said, oh, you can see the string, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that's right, it went to the back. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, so 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 what what else do you what else do you what else do you think of it? Did did you like you know? Can I and I we probably shouldn't spoil it, but I really like the way they do the ending, not only with the child with the tiger, but the way they do the the final. This is this is another episode in a row with 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 um, Jake going up against a Japanese gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this one this one's done kind of in a more interesting way. Well, no, I like the duel in the last one too, but I like the way they do this one here because it's it's. What, what did you think of it?
1: The, oh, I liked that – Well, first of all, I liked it that he challenged him to some checkers, and that's how yes. they, <laughs> a game of checkers. That's how they got into the radio room. <laughs> but um, because he's pretending to be Ezekiel, right? His, yes, Ezekiel, Sarah's yeah. brother, mm-hmm. the whole time. So he's in disguise, and then he get they get to the the duel part. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I liked that part when he kind of reveals himself.
0: Yes. And so I think we could probably spoil it. It's not. It's yeah. not going to hurt anybody. Yeah,
1: he he puts on his tiger jacket. And, yes, and you see Buck like immediately change because he thinks he's going to win because he's going up against this Amish guy and he's pacifist. And then he puts on the tiger jacket. And he's like, "Damn it!"
0: And all his guards behind him move away. Yeah, <laughs> they
1: are also like, "Damn it!"
0: Yes. And it's really nice I, I thought it was really nice and done because they, they pull their guns, they're poised, you see the close ups of the eyes, sweat dripping down, poised, 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 and then uh, a gunshot and then you see the kid with the tiger. Mm. And and so and you don't see what happened and the showdown. But then you learn a moment later what happened with the showdown. And it's almost um, it's almost casual at this point. Yeah. Uh, so, sort of the way it happened, and I, I kind of like the way they did that because when, when you're seeing the showdown, you think, you know, they we've we've seen so many showdowns, you know, in our lives in Western movies. I mean, um, one of the great things if you've never seen Sam Raimi's *Quick and the Dead*. That movie has has like a half a dozen showdowns like that in it, and they're all different. And he shoots them all differently, and they're so much fun. But most filmmakers, especially ones on TV schedules, aren't going to have the uh, the imagination or the budget or the verve that someone like Sam Ra- Raimi would bring. So when you're seeing the showdown, you're like, I think Jake's gonna win, mm-hmm. and 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 the show knows that you think that, so it doesn't bother you to show show it to you. Why? Why show it? To you? It's like when Superman catches Lex Luthor in Superman the Motion Picture. You don't see he he spins the world backwards. He saves Lois Lane. He flies away, and then you see him drop Luthor off in the prison yard. You don't need to see how he catches him because once Lex has lost, what's he going to do against Superman? Nothing. And so right here, the moment you know Jake reveals himself, you're like, this guy may think he's a great cowboy star and a great gunslinger and a great gunfighter. He's probably not. He's better than the Amish, and that's like that's like a T-shirt. I'm better than the Amish, you know. And, you know, it's 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 um. So, so it's like it's one of those things. Yeah, like if, if the only um, you know, if the only people you've been oppressing and shooting at are pacifists who don't use guns, well, you're going to get a surprise when you yeah. meet the guy who doesn't mind shooting people. Um, oh, uh, what, now what did you think? There, there's a scene where Corky is trying to remember something, and he smacks his head against like a wooden post over and over again.
1: Oh my gosh,
0: and, that and, and he, just he's he's actually me. He, he's stopped by our favorite uh, Nazi German fake priest, who, yeah, who's, who's really becoming a friend to everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, he really is. Yeah, that just kind of breaks my heart because. Uh, Corky knows the route that Jack would have taken, or that Jake would have taken. I'm gonna, I'm gonna forever get him confused <laughs> yes. with the damn dog. Yes. And so he's remembering he had to go do this here, and do this here, and do this here, and he can't remember what the other thing was that would mm-hmm. have put him out where Sarah thinks that they, he, she heard him say because they're out listening, they're out watching a one-armed guy beat the crap out of somebody, yes. Yes. and they miss his radio call.
0: Yes, that's right. That's right
1: and so he's trying to remember it he can't he can't remember what that next part is and that's of course a big thing about Corky is he can't remember anything and he starts beating his head on that post and you feel oh. so horrible for him oh, that he's yeah. just so frustrated with himself and then of course it's you know Willie that comes and stops him and you're like oh bless the Nazi has a heart yeah. and then when um Sarah comes up and he, she's like oh my goodness what happened to your head and and uh, Corky just says I bumped it
0: Yeah, he won't even I- tell
1: her that what he was doing,
0: and it's really red, and like, like in one of the close-ups, you can see they've got it like it's bloody and everything. Yeah. Like he really, he really smacked it good, yeah. like bruised it bad, and probably cut himself on there.
1: Which, it's, which bothers me because at the very end, it's that zinger that you know the reason my oh, corner couldn't yes. remember was because Jake didn't tell, or yeah, Jake didn't tell him.
0: Yeah,
1: and it's just like that would have been funnier if he hadn't, like, if you hadn't given had, had that concussion.
0: Because yeah. that's yeah, that scene ain't funny. You no. see, you see him. You see him thinking about. He's going. Oh, he's doing his thing where he can't remember. And then you can see him genuinely getting frustrated. And then when he starts to smack his head against the the, the post on the dock, you're like, No, Corky, no, no. I wanted to reach into the TV. You can't do that, folks. You just knock the TV over. <laughs> you have to let the people in the TV help each other. Yes. One day. One day. We will be able to reach in the TV and help, but probably not with older shows like this. Probably no. I Love Lucy we will be able to. for so They'll figure something out where we can all go <laughs> and sing and dance with Lucy, but they won't do that for Gold Monkey. No,
1: no. unfortunately, no,
0: because we um, would all
1: be reaching through the TV to stop Corky at that yeah, moment.
0: Yes, um, so um, now, now what, what did you think sort of when, when we got to the end and – um, and, 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 and Jake was smooching on, um, our Amish lady and stuff like that. Did you think, eh, it's a little forced or did, did you, did you, were you, were you, were you into it? Were you like, I'd like to see where this goes or, or were you like,
1: eh? I was just kind of like, of course. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's within like, I don't know, two feet of a woman. So of course. Yeah. Because that's the thing, and that's what makes it kind of weird, is because he obviously has affection and attraction to Sarah, and that's reciprocated to a certain extent. Yes. But then he goes off and he's smooching on an Amish lady who has some pretty strict rules about that sort of thing. Yes. So it's like, uh, you know, I guess what? She's not, Sarah, love the one you're with. Okay, that's fine.
0: Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <I> <laughs> there guess. There's a... And there's there's that moment where they're in the in the horse cart and they're smooching and then the kids asleep and he looks up at him and for a second mm-hmm. you can't tell whether the kid's going to be like what the f-? or you know like leap up there don't kiss my mom but but the kid just gets a bit of yeah look on his face and then closes he's, his eyes he,
1: yeah he's looking like I'm getting a new
0: dad <laughs> it's new dad time
1: in the and rear I, projection buggy. <laughs>
0: Yes, yes. The reprojection monkey. And there is like in, in the end when the when the plane leaves, the, I I do like the way that the mom um when, when her boys stay next to him, the plane is leaving and, she, and she's giving Jake the kiss and, and they're going and she she may never like I said, I think in second, third season Tales of the Gold Monkey on Earth Two, they return to here and we meet them again. Maybe even we bring them to our island just to see Maybe. just to meet everybody.
1: And then um, there's some great awkwardness because now Sarah and Amishan Lockhart are meeting yes. and Jake has smooched on them both.
0: Yes, oh my. Oh my. <laughs> and and she well, well there's, there's 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 as as the plane is going away there's just a great moment where she she looks down at her son and they look at each other and she and even though he's he's a big kid he like picks her up. She picks him up and 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 like holds holds him real close to her like like you know that you're you're too far even though you're right next to me you're too far away i need you i need you to be close to me right now you know we need this you know the affection with him leaving you know we're going to be sad for a bit but uh, the, the i i love that sort of just that that close affection and just kind of it it's sweet and it's charming and it's it's fun and it's i like it and they just you know they shot a tiger they shot a japanese guy we're all having fun
1: yeah Except Paul did feel bad about finally killing the tiger because the tiger killed yes. his dad, and the mm. Japanese put the tiger there to try to run the Amish off the island. Which why they are there, I don't know. Did they mention that? I don't. Yes.
0: I don't think I was paying <laughs> attention. What did I, they say? I, I, I did. I I think it, it, it was a little vague because uh, because he does uh, because Jake says that they, they he thinks they're in the French portion, but they're mm-hmm. in the Japanese portion, and she says that the emperor. Uh, I don't know how long ago, but the emperor—I don't know why—I don't, I don't know what they're doing there. Do they like are they uh, Amish from space or something? I'm, I'm not 100% sure why they. they I, I'd love it if they're if if it ended with them like going into a cave and there was a giant meteor that turned out to be a spaceship that they went into. Um, but but it's it's some of the lines of the emperor met them, liked them, and gave them this land sort of in perpetuity. Oh. And the the only person who can the only the only way. The land can, can leave them Is if they leave Or mm-hmm. if the emperor himself says uh, It's no longer your land But the Japanese want the land So they're trying to drive them off it
1: Yeah, and that's, and so what, that, I, that's what They it is. Yeah. kill their cattle or burn their crops And yes. they put the tiger out there So Paul is trying to seek vengeance Which I'm pretty sure his religion teaches is a bad thing
0: Yeah, yeah By, He's missed some days of school
1: yeah, do you, you're not doing Sunday school there on the Shanlock art? <laughs> but um. So and he finally gets his vengeance because Jake teaches him how to shoot, and he says I'm like, teaching him how to shoot out of self-defense because he shot at the dog, yeah, yeah. he shot yeah. the goose, yeah. so he's teaching him how to do it so he doesn't get killed. And then he ends up killing the tiger, and then he says that he feels bad about killing the tiger, and he he said that he was scared, and he thinks the tiger was scared too. And I'm like, yes, you miss a prime opportunity to have a giant house cat.
0: All you yeah. had to do
1: was give it some snack and give it some pets, yeah. and it would have been your guard cat against the oh Japanese. Oh my
0: gosh! Could you could you imagine how awesome that would have been? Because like, it's there, always some. It's it's it it really is like I'm just watching a scene with with the with with Jake and, and the kid walking through. I mean, they're walking through like the jungles and stuff, like like y jungles kind of. And so it's like tropical jungle. Um, you get a pilot. And a little Amish kid with a giant shotgun hunting a tiger. And there, there's so many different... You're like, what's going on? It's just like they threw everything... Donald Sario threw everything in the blender. I'm sure this must have been based on something in reality, because this almost seems too weird mm-hmm. for... um, I mean, I, I I mean, it may not have been. But there is something about it where it's like, hey, I, I read that there was an Amish community on one of these islands that the Japanese were part of, tried to... Took over or, or were part of during World War II or, or whenever, or, or between the wars, and and um, I should have looked it up. Boy, I never do, do I? I'm really bad at this. I <laughs> I, I, I I like the thought that um, it may have been all made up, but from my what I know of Donald Belisario, he's good at certain things. But this is just so wacky that I feel like it's based on something real. Yeah, there just, has to be just, an element of truth there even like the tiger to me as as strange as it sounds sounds like something that could have been real like the japanese got a hold of a tiger so they let the tiger loose why not if if it's going to kill him why not but kill if it's if the tiger is going to kill the amish people living in the jungle let's do it
1: yeah sure
0: it sounds like something out of like a like if there had been a second buckaroo bonsai film or something like that i don't know (laughs) Uh, what, is, what else do you have on this one? Uh, Jake does enjoy the Amish food. There's a lot yes, of it. Yes,
1: yes, because it reminds him of home cooking back in the mm. States. Mm. Um, uh, we do find that lo- little bit of backstory about Jake that he admits to Amish Ann Lockhart that um, – I know she, that character has a name. I wish I knew I wish I could remember. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> but um, admits to her that um, – He's a bastard his parents were never married and his dad didn't yes, stick around yes.
0: mm-hmm. and he's
1: like I've only told two people that yeah so you can trust the Amish who are they gonna tell
0: true yeah yeah uh, I'm just I've got it on here now and he's he's got a he's got a he's got his table full of food and they're not um, she put out a lot of food for him she's like an Italian mom or something she's just like <laughs> yeah, keep eating you're so thin Jake come on now Amish and Lockhart stop. Stop it! I almost want to say this: the 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 bar that they go up to that looks like that looks like those, the same sort of bar type thing that they went into in the Battlestar Galactica episode. I'd have to I'd have to look at it again. But uh, yeah, there they are. They're watching the old the old western. Ooh, they made a lot. Can I just tell you folks? They made a lot of westerns. A you lot. may you may you may you may think you may think you knew how many they made. Oh, you don't. Oh, you don't. No. If you, if you, they used to... Um, what, what's the... Um, well, I think I think I told this story on here before, but as I'm just looking, I just think of the, um, uh, the the way people used to watch westerns back then. Pauline Kael tells a story about her dad when they were growing up outside of San Francisco on a farm, and every weekend when they were done with all their work and everything, he would go into town and watch a western. Every weekend. And every weekend it was a new western. And he didn't care who was in it. He didn't care what was going on in it. He just went to watch a western for an hour and change. And that's and that's that's literally the way westerns. I guess sometimes I, I'm like that with slasher films. But westerns, it was like crazy the amount of westerns they made. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, yeah I've got it here and they're about to go in and um, I think that is the Battlestar Galactica. Said it does it looks like it. it. It looks a lot like it. Well, I don't know. I I think everything looks the same. When it comes to these, <laughs> um, what else do you have on this one? Let me check my notes.
1: Can Can we we talk briefly about Princess Koji because she hasn't oh, yeah. been on, yes, okay right. the last couple yeah. of episodes. Ooh. So they invite her to the gold to the to the monkey bar, so she they can solicit her for help to find mm. Jake and Jack. And Toto comes in and scares the hell out of some lady at the bar, <laughs> and she's like, yeah. and. Louis's like, ah, yes, it's just so-and-so, it's just Toto here, you know, here's so-and-so, have a bottle of cognac on the house. (laughs) And then they have this grand tea set up for Princess Koji, because they're trying to be super nice to her, which is a real stretch for Sarah. But Gushy (laughs) is all dressed up in his, like, military finery to, you know, I guess be presentable for the princess. Uh And I just thought that was so funny. Yeah, yeah. But that, yeah. But she's pretty shrewd. She's like, I want what is it the you the profits from your pearl?
2: Oh yes. Something mm-hmm. for
1: like a year, and it's like going to be a million francs.
2: Yeah. And that's
1: yeah. what it costs them to save Jake and Jack's lives.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, shrewd deal. Shrewd yeah,
0: deal. Yeah, yeah. And you get the great moment where our Nazi friend walks in, yes. and of course everyone recognizes him, and he recognizes them, and he tries to. Um, yes, he tries to uh, be cool about it, but they're all kind of laughing at him. Yeah, and
1: Toto will not let him off the hook. No, no, no. I absolutely love that Toto loves to torment the man. I don't know why, but it just yeah. makes my heart happy.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a good scene. I, I Thank you. I forgot, I forgot about that. We haven't seen the princess in a while. Yeah. It's good to, good, good to see her again. Good to see her again. It is. Um, now, uh... I think I think I've covered everything I had here. The um, the, the the I think I think like, like I said the the initial tropes might make you go, eh. but then when you see how weird they kind of are, and generally they're weird casually. Mm-hmm. You know they don't. Um, you know it's mentioned like what's a tiger doing here, but it's not like it's not like it's not like anyone stands up really and goes this is crazy. There are Amish people in the jungle. And there's this little kid with a huge shotgun chasing a tiger, and there's a Japanese guy who thinks he's an old white cowboy star. This is crazy, and this sounds like a setup for a very elaborate joke. And in the end, it's not. But um, but I think I think it's an it's an episode that I. I mean I mean maybe maybe that's the point of it is that is that you see the tropes and you're like oh boy, and then it it doesn't subvert them really because it kind of. Well, you don't get a lot of gunfights in, in Amish-related things, but but it um, because the Amish people are more or less Amish-y, Amish... E Amish, they're adjacent, Quaker adjacent, and um, but it's 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 yeah it's it's an episode that uh, won my heart by the end, and uh, on the second viewing I enjoyed it more, although the kid still bothered me until the end.
1: Yeah, he's a little bit annoying, which was funny when yes. Corky appears out of nowhere. That was funny. Yeah. Amish Anne Lockhart goes screaming into the jungle for her son because she hears the gunshots <laughs> mm. and yelling his name. Does the boy answer? No, because uh, I don't. Mm, yeah, the kid's kind of annoying. And so when you have <laughs> her run up to get to Paul at the goose, and Corky comes out of nowhere,
0: yes,
1: and he's like, "Oh, you got a you got a real nice kid here, lady." Even if he does talk a lot, and I'm like, that kind of sums <laughs> the kid up. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> that that, and that was another sharp thing they do at the end is they don't they don't bother showing you the outcome of the showdown because you know and they don't bother you show, showing like Corky and everyone arrive because you know they're going to they're there and it's so it's kind of fun that you don't see the you don't see how the showdown ends you just hear about it very casually like almost like um, where's Buck Buck's dead and they continue going on with what they're doing and then Corky just shows up mm-hmm. and it's like it's nice because they sort of left out you know in a, in a in a weaker episode, they would have Spent a lot of time on the showdown And they would have spent a lot of time With them getting to the island Are we going to the right place? Is this the right? Are we are we getting there? Are we getting there? But something like this, where they've got more interesting stuff Happening, they're able to cut out That, that bit of Connective tissue that we don't need In the story, and I, and I like that it does that So I, I mean, in the end, I would say um, Not my favorite episode Just because, like I said, it took me about an act or so to really get into it but by the end um, I quite liked it Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: so any final thoughts any trivia
1: I do have trivia so Richard Narita who played Buck um, he was also on Magnum P.I. he actually played a character who ended up killing the character that Marta Dubois played on (laughs) Magnum P.I. And Anne Lockhart was in a couple of episodes of Magna P.I., but the one that I want to point out is my favorite bit of casting ever to occur on any television show, aside from Mm -hmm. Boy George being on the A-Team. And (laughs) that is – it was a flashback story, so it had the characters back in the 1940s and then characters Mm -hmm. in the 1980s. Anne Lockhart and um, Miguel Ferrer played the younger versions of their parents, June Lockhart and Jose (laughs) Ferrer. I absolutely love that.
0: That's perfect that's cool. That's cool. Oh yeah. And that's right, Anne Lockhart was in she's in the the Buck Rogers episode where Buck is like at some sort of carnival and he sees a woman um and becomes sort of fixated on her and it's it's and it's Anne Lockhart, regular Anne Lockhart, futuristic Ann Lockhart. And um And you get a flashback to Buck when he was before he took off in the ship, and you realize that the woman he was in love with and was living with, I guess his fiance, looked exactly like her. So he thinks that this might be her. Um, I forget how it goes. It's Buck Rogers. Who cares? It's (laughs) colorful and it's flashy, and they do disco stuff, and it's it's fun. But um, but but yeah, that's right. She she was in that sort of, and she got she gets the flashback in Buck's early life. And when I say early life, I mean five hundred years earlier so any anymore i'm sorry I cut you off in mid uh, amish Ann lockhart magnum june and lockhart
1: well i just had a, a revelation the lady and the tiger not mm-hmm. necessarily just meeting the tiger in the jungle because jake was a flying tiger yes oh my gosh go. that, mind blown
0: that's why i said at the beginning i don't i don't think it's a metaphorical thing but i hadn't really thought about it but but you know no, that's fantastic that's fa- and the fact that they, and it, and if it is, if the tiger is referring to, to Jake, then she comes she's first in the title. Mm-hmm. So in the end, the, the episode maybe is more about her yeah. than we realize. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like, I love Lucy is, the I is Ricky.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's more about Ricky than you might think it is. There
2: yeah. you go. There you, there you go. go.
0: Somebody think about, folks. <laughs> when you're thinking about Amish, Amish. <laughs> Amish. <laughs> and I'm gonna say it like that from now on, Amish. An, no, I was doing a, Amish Ann, Amish Ann, Amish Ann Lockhart, and uh, um, Futuristic Ann Lockhart, and June Ann Lockhart, and all these others Lockharts. Yay. Uh Yay! So, so um, what? what Do you have anything else? Or you, no, you right, good? I'm good. Okay. Where can we find you online?
1: You can find me at aka dot It is the home of my podcast Bookem Dano and Old Hawaii fable podcast. You can also find me at my blog KikiWritesAbout.com. and you can find me and my Ann Lockhart trivia on Twitter at kikiwrites.
0: Yes. Yay! All right, everyone, that was. Um... Oh, I, I, I keep I keep meaning to. I lost the I lost track of the numbers. Is this um. Like number seven or eight or something?
1: This is, or? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I oh, think we're up to like nine or ten, actually.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, let me see. Maybe I got it. Maybe I got it. This is great stuff, folks. Ten. 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 We're on ten. Yes, ten. Or, or actually maybe nine. Call it nine because I think ten counts the, two, uh, the pilot as two. So let's call it, I think it's nine. Okay, nine. So uh, we're getting near the halfway point. If I could remember how many episodes there were 21, 22, let me look it up folks I'm kidding, I'm going to stop this now And we're going to go on to a little Battlestar Galactica Because Chris is waiting and he gets impatient Listen to this Star Galactica, what did I say, episode 16, Murder on the Rising Star, teleplayed by Donald Bellisario, Jim Carlson, Terrence McDonald, starred by Michael Sloan, February 18th, I was going to say 1879, 1979, Rod Holcomb is the director of this one. And we did, uh, with this, we we did, but uh, you can probably guess what the the plot is from the, uh, from the title. Christopher and I did what we did Previously, where uh, I let Chris go, and he kind of takes over, running through the plot in great detail as I jump in and say stuff about it. So I'm going to play a little burst of music on it. I guess Chris sort of already in progress, but if it isn't, yeah, we're doing a little different just for this one like we do with Laz. We're having fun. We're having fun. It's been six years. So uh, let me give you a little burst and murder on the rising star.
2: We have three significant people in this. Strangely yes. enough, who would go on to future things, and and also I guess that's a problem with watching this present day. Mm-hmm. But we'll go into that while we're we're talking about.
0: Okay, this. so that was that was Christopher Bly. Everybody, you know him as Mister Doctor Christopher Bly, <laughs>
2: who,
0: <laughs> PhD, 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 Z, yeah. Um, but 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 that's uh, that's uh, how are you, Christopher or Chris? I never know what to call you. Should I call you Big C or or I never? I don't want to insult.
2: No, there's there's nothing to insult me with. You know, like I mean, everybody <laughs> when they know Mutiny on the Bounty, I say like, well, you know, you know the name. You every work time with somebody it. Somebody puts a post about that that book or the movie. I always have to put a hashtag namesake. In yes,
0: exactly. So I guess I'll call you just Mr. Bly.
2: Or you know, like as well, so foremost, it must oblige my dad. Jeez.
0: hey, how is he? This...
2: Uh, and he's doing okay. He's doing okay. He's good, doing good. Us. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad. But uh, no, just hey, anything that you want, you know, <laughs> you know, not late for dinner, no. But uh...
0: no, no. So I, I just call, I'll call you Chris throughout the That's rest. Of them, if you don't mind. So we're oh, doing fine. Murder on the Rising Star, and and oh really, no, oh no. So one of the things I loved about the last episode was that you gave us the wonderful breakdown. Um, which saved us from listening to me doing the breakdown. It's your choice this time. Would you like to do some Uh, breakdown, or would you like to do it regular?
2: Wait, uh, let me think. Uh, Just a centum! (laughs) I I can't wait to yarn. Yeah, it's Yara, yeah. Well, the funny thing is we don't have any Garb here, so it's like so. some of the jargon is kind of going missing, but we do have one thing in there, but we will get to it. Uh, we get the, the infamous uh, giveaway of, hey, Starbuck, uh, on the acknowledgement there. Mm. And um, we have an interesting episode uh, of, once again, we are basically on starbuck this time around you know yes. like we were previous episode that we covered some time ago uh we're once again focusing on starbuck written by donald belisario who's basically this series lawrence kasdan in the fact that he's writing for a gambling scoundrel of sorts this one being starbuck and we get back to playing the game of that's right triad oh yeah a very a very let's get in a circle let's get the ball let's let's see if we can throw it in you know, it's that kind of thing. You know, it's it's Rollerball without the skates. But yes, with most it's, intriguing outfit.
0: You know? It's it, yeah, it is funny because I I have uh, I ha- I own Rollerball on Blu-ray and I actually watched it about a week ago, and if you compare Triad to Rollerball, they're not as um kinetic there there's something yeah. a little there the rollerball is is a full-on roller derby whereas as is, is triad is actually is not bad I wish we could actually see a full rollerball game but it's a little mm. tighter
2: it's tighter and also too it doesn't have doesn't exactly have the uh, histronics of quintet but you know that's all oh, well together. that's that's <laughs> quintet
0: that's, a, that's, that's, that's another, that's story for another please tribe, yeah man. please Chris, okay. Chris and I will be doing a minute by minute quintet and then we'll be a podcast, and then we're doing the Popeye podcast to
2: follow. Hey, hey Altman is great, great material to go to, going for this one here. Uh, you know, the Dama, once again, is in Captain's Log mode from yes, the green yes. screen it's with the letters. Book. It's actually a good one. For all of us to read. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good one. And, you know, you see him with the microphone, and you wonder, with that microphone, is he going to end up uh, singing a couple of songs in karaoke before the end of the episode? Oh, we God. don't know.
0: You know, it's somewhere around. It's somewhere around. I have a I have a disc someone once sent me of a Bonanza related music, and there is there are some Lorne Green songs. I don't I don't know if him and the cast sing like uh, 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 pick a little fight bonanza kind of thing. I don't know, but I gotta find yeah, the Or disc.
2: It could be just when they, they basically wanted to sing it because I know Michael Landon did at one point there, you <laughs> yeah, know, because he did that thing was Gimme a Little Kiss was one and uh, yes. Be Gentle with me you know mm. like he did that one too. And of course he sang at the beginning of Hullabaloo uh doing uh, oh, yeah. I like it like that. So yeah, so so yeah, so uh Landon had some singing chops, but we are on with Lauren Green and Battlestar. So basically uh, I'm surprised that, I, that Adama didn't break into some songs the way that he did on Bonanza. So, but back to playing Triad. Um, we look like that the Galactica Sport has got some running commentary this time. Boomer is doing play-by-play along with the
0: newscaster. Oh, doing the color commentary.
2: Yep. And uh, and this time we also see that uh, Cassiopeia, rest to go to the hairstylist because we don't see the long hair anymore. We have this kind of like, uh, kind of mushroom, uh, kind of if... Uh, if uh, Marie Osmond went blonde, uh, kind of hairdo <laughs> uh, for Cassiopeia on that one. And, um, and it's a different style. But there's some fighting going on. There's some infights. You see some elbow. You see some, like, little rough roughhousing going on there. And who does that end up being at the end of this? Martin from V, Frank Ashmore, is in here playing a character named Ortega in this. And uh, he's not as kind – definitely far from the, the kindly sort he would play in both Airplane and V. No, he's playing kind of a – looks like he's got an axe to grind with somebody on this one. And we find out that he uh, yeah. has a little bit of attitude but does not make it out of the locker room alive.
0: No. he's or, Ortega's. Uh, he's one of those guys who um, you've never seen him before. We'll never see him again. But he shows up and he's like, oh, Ortega, he's he's always so rough. Oh, he's oh, what is he doing? And, and you watch him and you think, how on earth can this guy – be a part of this game because mm. he every five seconds he breaks a, it's like when I was a kid and I used to watch wrestling before I knew that a lot of wrestling was fake like, um, uh, you you would see those moments where like someone would do something and like the um, uh, uh, the, the ref would be looking the other way it's funny oh, I yes. think like if you think like if you think like think about baseball or football or, or hockey. Uh, think about like ref. Didn't you see that? Oh no, I, I didn't see that because I was looking over there. Mm. And there's no sport where that happens except yeah. in professional wrestling. And as a kid, that drove me nuts. That drove me up the wall. And that's <laughs> th- and, and, and so when you watch. The triad and you see how often it's like imagine this imagine we're playing ice hockey and um, I, was, I was talking to my wife the other day because the, um, uh, mm. the Avalanche just won the Stanley Cup and a couple weeks ago and and I was saying the thing about ice hockey is that I can't multitask and Ooh. ice hockey is ice skating and hockey at the same time that's oh, the, yes. to me that's the ultimate multitask Oh, and sure. and so imagine you're ice hockey, ice hockey, and and um, there's a penalty, and you like smack a guy up against the wall, and then the the um, the whistle goes off from the ref, and then you take a step back and hit the guy in the face that you just smashed up against the wall with your hockey stick. That's what Ortega does, again and again and again.
2: It's and funny every so, time I hear every time I hear that name, I'm thinking taco. You want tacos. a taco? Yes.
0: You want a taco? I want a taco too. I want a taco with some good salsa, maybe some pico de gallo on it, some good sour cream. I'm d- I'm deliciously excited talking about Ortega, but but I I didn't mean I didn't mean to um well I kind of meant to um but uh, but but that's the thing about Ortega is when you watch him in this scene it's like the the it, it's like they're trying to set up like a a murder mystery style thing, and they're doing that thing where they. Like if you watch a Poirot or or a murder mystery style thing, they they have to set up characters real quick, because they have to set up traits the characters get involved in and things that people do, so that when someone is killed, you go, oh, maybe it's that guy, or oh, that guy did it because of this. The
2: herrings, yes, the red herrings. Yes,
0: exa- exactly. They 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 flip the red. They throw the red herrings out in the triad field in yeah. this.
2: And you don't see the person on camera, and you also get the familiarity. That, oh, I thought it'd be a long time since I'd seen you. You, yes, exactly. And it's 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 all this kind of stuff, and it's it's um
0: I I and it's I I I'll let you keep keep going, Chris, telling the story. Orte- but um,
2: Ortega basically is born angry, if you could see here. Because exactly. He's got, exactly. Like, hat- there's no happy, and no, you know, he could use a little bit of uh, Jolly in there, but, you know, Jolly's a whole other person. <laughs> but but at, the, at the point there, all of a sudden, it just so happens that Starbuck happens to be in that area. Yes. He's looking to try to get out of the uh. locker room area, and he bumps into this guy, Hey, Starbuck! And I'm like, oh, great. You know, it's like, so everybody is assuming, uh-oh, it mm. must have been Starbuck that had that, that, that. Now, of course, we're in the future here of the show. You would think at that time there'd be some kind of video surveillance at that point to actually pinpoint, hey, outside the locker room, we know exactly who it is. And, like, you would think that they would have something. I mean, hey, they are watching it on TV, and even Adama and Ty Ty are tempted to go over to the actual arena to watch it, but they're watching it on television. And they have television, but they don't have surveillance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like,
0: as we're recording this right now, my wife has a camera up at the corner of the room to make sure that I'm here. So 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 as we're Check recording in. this, I know I'm recording this because we're recording this. So so got to yes. so, so so it's weird that it it, it it it's tricky because they the the setup for this episode I think is a little clunky. But, that is, yes. But but it gets better as it goes. But I, I, I'll, I'll leave you alone. Please give and us a, more.
2: away on that. And then we are introduced to uh, a guy that the last time we had seen him around this time period, I mean, he was a lot of things. He was a, a cop in Soylent Green. Uh, he was uh, one of the many people on a train in the incident. And we best know him as being on trial, no pun intended on this episode, And uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. His name is Brock oh. Peters. Oh yeah! I'm yes. sorry. Canon guest star Brock Peters. He has, was on an episode. Yes. Finally, we get a canon guest star somewhere in Even Fred of the last episode, wasn't didn't make it the canon, but Brock did. So Brock uh, is here, but this time he's playing uh, basically a um, a version of a lawyer. They called it an opposer. Yes. Solon. Solon. Good Solon Sire Solon, the opposer. Yes, the chief opposer. Yes. And so, basically, he comes onto the scene and feels, you know, I think our man is guilty. I think, uh-huh. And they say, oh, we have a tracer for the laser. I had no idea they had tracers for lasers at that time. Tracer for the no laser?
0: It's, it sounds like to doing a Danny Kay thing. I got a tracer for the laser.
2: Hey, 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 <laughs> hey! And, um, and basically Starbuck is accused of Ortega's murder. Yes, even him recharging his laser is not conclusive proof to see that he didn't do it. And, all of us are believing, and there's only one person that ends up stepping up, even though he doesn't have most uh, law experience in this. I guess there are galactic law of sorts on this one, but Apollo decides to step up and say, I may not be experienced in that. He says, yeah, I chose to be a warrior, but forgot to be a lawyer. You know, It's like almost like when somebody goes to be a cop and doesn't exactly finish law school, something like that. We are in that scenario. Mm. So basically Apollo decides to step up and be the other side of that, which is basically... A protector. They call the, So basically, a protector is the plaintiff. The opposer is the defendant. And no, Judge Wapner is going to be taking on this case. So we have a tribunal that they're going to be going through. It'll be three people. Adama is the head one, and he has two other side people. We're sure that we're not they're not stenographers. We don't know. But basically, <laughs> they're on the sides of him. You know, and of course, it's not like the panel to see which one is telling the truth, like to tell the truth, but. Um, but uh, there is, we also find out that there's actually a Galactica brig. Starbuck gets accused, and he, he ends up in the Galactica brig. Now, they didn't do anything special with the sets on this one. They basically made it a general set, but the waiting station is very familiar. This is where the gnomon were on the last episode of uh, uh, that we dealt with with Fred Astaire. They're in this, they're, he's in the same room waiting before he goes to the brig to there, and Cassiopeia was watching him on television. But um, but uh, it's uh, ten centaurs, and three. It, it, uh, he, when he's about to go in there, and no, I should say about uh, triad, going back to that, there is a three grip handshake that looks more like thumb wrestling. But it's one of those many handshakes that we see throughout this uh, show. You know, there's sometimes where they do the two forearms and the the bigger forearm, and then here's the the three grip shake on this one that doesn't turn into thumb wrestling. Thank God, and. Uh, Everyone is questioned. One particularly says a name. And it says He says the name Charybdis. Mysterious. Yes. He says he only knows the name. Nothing Charybdis. more. Yeah, of course, this mysterious episode. person that's named Barton. Of course, we all get a name, and he happens to be going out to his little thing there. So Apollo and Boomer are trying to gather up all the information that they can to see what is behind this murder, and can we prove that Starbuck did not do this? So... Basically, there's a hand scanning screen to look on the computer. Personnel turns out to be worse than Siri because they seem to try to answer every question to yes. uh, Apollo. I was almost reminded of the the robot that was in Michael Crichton's Runaway, where basically everything that <laughs> no. they were say- saying was either being reacting or you know mm. to whatever they were saying or just answering to every single yeah. thing that is said, oh. and you have to just tell them you keep quiet. Oh,
0: I, I will say one thing. I realized the uh, the guy in charge of the room was Jeff McKay. From Tales of the Gold Monkey. Aha! Uh-huh. So, so, Kristen, how are you? I hope you're listening, because uh, he, yeah, he gets a, I, He's been in the show before a couple times, but, um, mm. but uh, I don't know what his character's name is or anything. But he just, I yeah. saw him, and I was like, hey! <laughs> from yes, Tales of the yeah, Gold
2: Monkey, n- another one from the Eventually Super Train uh, Land here, which is great. Yes, you know? yes, yes. Hey, so hey, some of these people carry over to a lot of these episodes that get covered on here, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and now he goes to hear the sentence from uh, Solace and he goes uh, uh, you know, I think Starbuck is guilty. With that, Starbuck gets angry, punches the screen and guess what? This is not the Happy Days universe where it turns on. No, it gets fuzzy. <laughs> Sitting at this spring, yes. he actually gets television. So, basically he says, oh, I wanted to hear my uh, my uh, th- my, te- my sentence and everything else like that. That is his opening to make his escape. He makes his escape yeah. and and out he goes, get, getting onto there and trying to say like, "Oh, stupid Starbuck! Why, why does he put it? so?" With no answers in sight, basically he makes his break away from the brig. Meanwhile, Baltar comes into the picture. So it's kind of oh, like I said, this, is, this is almost kind of like it's a Starbuck trilogy because remember, <laughs> Baltar we finally captured, and it there's a mention of in the last episode. Now we see Baltar in the flesh in his jail time and. He kind of figures that Apollo is gonna say, Hey, you'll do anything to give my release. You'll give anything to do this one to get all the information out of me because there seems to be a connection with this individual that they gave the name. It's like, I knew this person as Proteus. We're going yes. through all these different Greek names that might have gone to a planet of the ape. But unfortunately <laughs> also mentioning another name from this for one of the shows here. But uh, and it, it's one had a pass with Ortega. And it turns out we're back to the guy that he ran into, Shayla, or Shella, whatever his name is. At one time, he was a administrator of Solius uh, uh, and went by the name of Rifkus. Of course, everybody's got a different name. All yeah. this. It's like everybody's got an alias, and everybody's got a, another story. But we go back as far back as the pilot episode where yes. the celebration was going on, and that, this yeah. guy yeah, thought I was he had able- a plan, thought yes. he had a way didn't get to his escape, and he said he wanted to go for the desperation escape, and who did he run into? That's right, our angry young man. Our favorite taco. Yes, Ortega. So, and he wasn't navigating a plane. <laughs> so yeah, it's... We, oh, I'm sorry. So basically he decides to escape, bribing with cubits. Who knows if he stole that from Starbuck. <laughs> and he escapes to the rising star. And he was the chief administrator. Now... We start to find out, wait a minute, he also left with two other guys that were escaping there. Yeah. Strangely enough, one of these guys turns out to be, that's right, Grendous. Bueller, Bueller, <laughs> his dad, is one of these three people. Yes. And he's wearing black. Now, the thing is, he's dressed in black. Does that kind of, you know, give us a hint? But he seems to be calm, cool, and collected where everybody else is, you awkward... Or desperate, Him is kind of like, okay, no problem. He happens to be like the one cool cube bu- cupper of the bunch. But we wonder. But we mm-hmm. also know, too, that yeah. they were on the rising star illegally, and one of them is a traitor, which is the one that goes in the name Charybdis. And black boots identify the bad guy because we see that both Apollo has a plan to go into his shuttle, put in Baltar, and one person follows him with black boots. We see these black boots walking. He sees that the weight gets a little heavier than usual on his uh, his, uh, transport, and thus, once he sees it gets heavier, he decides to move forward, go through space, and figure some things out, having the idea that our culprit has just entered the ship. And it turns out to be, yes, I say, unfortunately, if you guys happen to know familiar faces and present day, this might hurt the mystery a little bit. Because <laughs> the person who, who who ends up doing it, we find out, is Ferris Bueller's dad. Yes. <laughs> wearing wearing black and having black boots obviously gave you away, good sir, in this, yes. this mysterious detective story of sorts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's I, I will say the the the, the build-up moment when uh, Apollo says, oh, we killed Charybdis, where everything's okay, and the three people leave, but we know one of them is Charybdis. Mm-hmm. And they kind of sit there, and, and he's sitting there, and he's looking at the weight, waiting for the weight of the ship to go up when someone joins up. I thought... That's really nicely done, <laughs> and, well, and the the actual the actual mystery part, at in in like the last third, I think is really
2: well done. Mm, sure, and it's but the other thing too is you know smart details number one, and mm-hmm. two you know the interesting thing is the waiting is the hardest part. You know that. So it's, yes,
0: yes. So so you have a lot. I mean, I I I will be the first to admit that. Um, in the and, and and in the last ten minutes, when they keep cutting from the, the court or the tribunal, um, and everything's every, they're all sort of obfuscating and goofing around, like oh well, I, well, something's going to happen soon. And what's going on? What, Edward, talk to me. What's happening? Something's going to happen soon. Okay, well, something's <laughs> going to happen soon, and then it keeps cutting back to the um, the shuttle. With <laughs> Apollo and 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 Baltar uh, waiting for someone to come in, it's it's that stuff is really nicely done. But but it does maybe go on a minute or so too long.
2: Probably yeah, yeah because they are acting like they have the action crystal balls. Like okay, this is yeah. the way that's gonna happen. Yeah you know, this is yeah, the way that's gonna happen. You know,
0: it's 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 it it, it it could do with maybe a little minute or two tightening. But overall, like the moment you realize what Apollo is doing, you're like, oh hey, that's a pretty good mystery.
2: Uh-huh. And, All right.
0: I didn't expect that because the, the opening was so rushed with, like, Ortega. He always does this. And it's like, oh, he, uh, I guess he always does. Wait a minute. Who's Ortega? Oh, and the
2: okay. thing is, also, too, it puts, it puts the tensions flaring because, basically, you know, yes. it, tensions flare between Apollo and Starbucks where we yeah. may lose a friendship here somewhere along the yes. line. You know, it's, it's, it gets very – I mean, we got close to it on the last episode. Yes. Stare, and here it's it's even tighter. But also too, um, there's uh, there's a lot of suspenseful noises without being seen, and then there's the quick solution. Now, once everything is said and done, we get to back to our thing. We get back to the game of triad, and the moment that Starbuck walks in, everybody stands up applause. <laughs> like he just won the big game, victorious. Yes. yes. Ah. Uh, uh, this would have been a good moment for for Fred Astaire to walk in and say, like, oh son, now that we've would got that you been, in a happy that mode.
0: That would have been great. If, they, if, they, if he had been in the crowd. Every
2: either spot. in the crowd or all of a sudden there's kind of like a Marlon Brando Superman kind of thing there. You know, yes. it's like,
0: he's a bit of
2: vision, you know.
0: Starbuck, my son.
2: I am your you. father. Yes.
0: I am your father.
2: Win uh, this uh, game uh, of uh, Triad.
0: I put down forty seven doodads. I don't. I forget what the the the. Um,
2: yeah, well, the well, currency. it's funny because, Adama is so confident at the end, he's willing to put wagers on. So now yeah, he's so getting Boomerang kind of. Too he, happy <laughs> Yeah, it, he's getting the Starbucks bug of, uh, you know, it's like now if we can only get uh, Lord Green with a cigar there, Adama. <laughs> then, then really, we're gonna see. Like, wait, are we sure about the father?
0: Yes. Oh. Wouldn't that have been funny if, if Tom was Apollo and Starbucks' father? That that would have been
2: yeah, the confusion of it. You know, they, they always nah. watch out if you throw a third person in, though they'll, they'll call it Mama Mia. But there you go. So it's... <laughs>
0: That would have been something, but oh, so thank you, thank you again, Chris. You you basically take us taking us through the entire episode. He did that last time too. You know, I didn't ask us to do, I didn't ask him to do this, but he takes such good notes that what I do is when he starts talking, I'll leave the room for about twenty minutes. Jeez. I've got some paperwork to do. We got bookkeeping to do, and then he'll he'll describe the episode. So thank you so much. Uh, but but uh, be, let, let's I guess let's wrap it up. Um, but yeah, but, sure. what, uh, but what but um, what what um, just just did you like the episode?
2: I thought it was a decent episode. You know, I think it was good for what it was. You know, basically, it was fun for sure. You know, even though I, I just felt like once again we have one that you know I think if they would have gone to a two-part episode, they might have built a little something up. You know, there yeah. could have been a cliffhanger out of that, and you know, we could have you know had something in there. But all all the more, you know, it's like I thought it was a decent. It's like probably possibly putting an end to the starbuck trilogy here um mm, yeah. and who knows who will focus on on the next episode but once again as we learn they're getting closer and closer to, to earth
0: earth yes that is the thing at the beginning that we are we are closer and closer to earth here and um, yeah I think I, I like this I, I said the, the beginning the setup of the episode is very um, very much like a like an Agatha Christie or a, 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 a traditional mystery kind of thing where it throws in a bunch of things and we have to sort of um, engage with it and then when the murder happens we have to look back on what we've seen But well, the, but the problem oh I'm sorry
2: there was no Jessica Fletcher here, which is kind of a surprise. Yes, you know?
0: yes, and and the problem is that the Starbuck and Apollo are mixed in with the two guys, and so mm-hmm. like I said, it's like Ortega—he's always doing this. Well, then how is he playing the game? Uh, so 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 it's like that's a little bit clunky, yeah. but once you get the Charybdis thing, and you start to refer back to the first episode, and you start to refer back to Baltar. And the silence attacking Caprica. And you're like, mm. okay, something else. This is bigger. This is bigger than I thought it was.
2: That's, and also how I feel that it was actually a little more connected than you'd expect. Yes. from like, like It wasn't just like a, a one-off. Ex- there yes. is links to like the last couple of episodes. Like, okay, we've captured Baltar. We do make a reference to Caprica on the last episode. And we dial it back all the way to the pilot, which is amazing. Yes. You know, it's, it, and connected pretty well, if I, if I might add. You know, when they put all that like older footage in there, that kind of really fit in. Right
0: right along the way It's it's pretty darn sharply done Considering the fact that there are like four writers listed It's like Mm. whenever I see four writers listed For a 50 minute episode of television I think As I've said many times before Dennis Potter wrote all six hours of The Singing Detective By himself Mm. So why does it take four people to write 50 minutes of Battlestar Galactica Mm. It shouldn't Um, But it did and they do a pretty darn good job from the um, from after, after like I said after the beginning the mystery picks up and there's there's I think a really good sequence where um, Starbuck punches out the prison guards and is going to take off and mm-hmm. leave and Apollo t- kind of talks him down. Mm. It's it's a really kind of tense. You you, you kind of know Starbuck isn't going to go. Yeah, but it's and, really it's really nicely done, anyways. It's well acted and it's well sure. uh, directed. And
2: so. not only that, but also there's no launch offs. There's yes. no boxy. There's no boxy. Yes, and there's also no um, no silence in here. You know, Exa- exactly.
0: Yeah, and it, it's it's I th- I think it's um it's one of those episodes that and, and and I said this a lot of times about shows from this time period where a lot of these will start off and you'll be like, okay, what's it doing, and then you get to the end and be like. Oh, that was good, mm. but but you won't be able to sort of say like Manimal did this a lot, and um, Automan did this, and Masquerade did this. Um, but but this is actually one where once they get really involved, once the the name comes out of who might have killed Ortega, it becomes much more interesting.
2: Oh, sure, and also uh, to add. Yeah. Say, say this much: Cylons become feral. Yeah, they're on feral yeah, themselves. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it, it 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 becomes more interesting. It picks up, and you're like, okay, that's the moment where this becomes more interesting here. So I would like this episode. Say more than I like the last one. As much as I love Fred Astaire, I thought the last episode was kind of a, eh. But this one, I think, you get you get about a third of the way in, and it becomes it be it gets better and better and better. Mm. And the fact that it's able to cycle back to the beginning of the series and pull in and punish someone. And I don't mean to sound like the killer from Cylon and Deadly Night Part 2. Punish! <laughs> I, I, I I Garbage day! I, garbage day! I, I, <laughs> but, but it's like the fact that they're able to go back to the beginning when the Cylons were able to attack and destroy so much and they're able to... Catch someone who was one of the causes of all this oh,
2: yes.
0: is, is a is is a good moment. It's it's not really called out or yelled at, but but it's like that's what happens in the episodes. So if the show had continued for four, five, six years, this would I think have been a big moment, this character. But but as it is, it's kind of the dad from Ferris Bueller and um so maybe it's not as big as it should be, but I'm calling it as big as it should be on this podcast at this moment. Woohoo. hoo um, And so, um, and so uh, we, we've got how many? Do, one, two, three, four, five. We've got five more Galacticas left to go. Mm. And so, Chris, where can we find you online? What are we up to? It's, it's, it's the middle of July 2022, mm. yes. and it's warm, and we're delighted in some respects and others we might not be, but um, what are you up to?
2: Well, you're trying to survive in the A.C. and the heat. But while that heat and A.C. happens to be up to, we are continuing the summer forecast of First View, the 100 movies of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We've had such a good time. We've got a lot of great finds out of this one. It's wonderful. You can find out more about that. You can go onto my Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash CaptainBly. Uh, you also can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd, CaptainBly76, where there regularly are on the on the Instagram stories. you find out which movie we've covered for that day, how many days we've covered for uh, any of the movies and stuff, and the count. And you can find the reviews. If you can't uh, get onto my Facebook page, you can go on to Letterboxd. And you'll see my review right there, just as you see it on Facebook. We don't replicate uh, two 80s movies in a row or two 70s. We have it either be a 70s movie, an 80s movie, or a 90s one. Not always in that order. We could shuffle them around, just like the Tic-Tac-Toe Dragon in categories. And uh, a lot to read and a lot to find out. And then there's, a lot, of, there's been a lot of solid movies to come up with. And, hey, we're in July. We've got about a month and a half left, and we've got almost every year – of every one of those decades covered with at least nice. one movie, so that's that's the solid thing on that one. So it's been it's been a lot of fun, and geez, I mean, after after we're done with this one, I said, I wonder huh, what else is there to cover. Well, there'll be a lot more too, and they'll be all from yes. a little more recent ones and stuff like that. But we're focusing on the seventies and eighties and nineties, and I'll be going on through Labor Day.
0: Uh, we we can find you online in all these beautiful places, and I just want to make sure you are well,
2: and you are well as well. I hope.
0: I'm doing okay and I guess we're going to wrap up this one and next time we got a two hour episode which is fun Uh, like I said I don't know if it's going to mean we talk longer about it Um, is there more to dig into or is it just basically like an hour long episode that they stretched out I've forgotten um, but we'll find out next time so let us dive in here we are going from here to oh wait a minute Middleman the Sino 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 Mexican Revelation directed by Jeremy Chechik and written by the creator Javier GM. I think I said his, his I pronounced his last name incorrectly last time. I, I don't want to do that again. But it's the creator uh wrote this one, june thirtieth, two thousand eight. And in this one a feud between Sensei Peng, who is on the side of Wendy and the middleman, and a bunch of crazy Lucha Libre guys, um basically um uh breaks out in craziness and there's all kinds of fighting and fun and this that and the other and the middleman gets in a lot of fights and um oh and we also learn in this one i believe that uh, wendy was not the only person who the middleman considered to uh, for recruiting but um uh, Chris and I are all over this episode, so I'm not going to go too de- in detail t- into it. But Sensei Ping shows up. He was mentioned in the pilot episode, and you get a lot of great fun Lucha Libre wrestlers, a lot of fighting, and, and, and fun, a lot of great ga- I'm going to stop. We'll talk about that in the thing. I apologize. Let me... Here you go. A little blast of something. We'll be on the other side. The Sino-Mexican Revelation. Episode 3 of The Middleman. And I am here with... Sensei Kiki writes. No, that doesn't <laughs> quite make sense. Uh, I'm here with hey, uh, Kiki writes, Kristen Haws. Kristen, how are you?
1: I'm doing so well, Dan. How are you?
0: I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. We're on. We're on. It's another episode of Middleman. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna talk about this one. Is this one is. I I would say the the first two had their elements of crazy. This one might be crazier than the first two combined in some respects. But I will will let you say what you need to say about the Sino, or Sino, depending upon where you're from, Mexican Revelation. What did you think?
1: Um, I thought this was a really fun one, even though there wasn't as much lucha libre as I expected mm-hmm. um and that is a, a negative point in its favor <laughs> other than that it was the show the episode was bonkers and I loved it. it was just there was so much ridiculous but it never went too far over the top mm-hmm. and it was just it was just so much so much fun and again the way they weaved every there was no waste bit. Every yes. everything got weaved in with the booty chest and everything <laughs> the like booty that.
2: This was great, yeah.
1: Which I I'm kind of sad that themed restaurant doesn't really exist. Yeah. I could go for a pirate theme. Was it a pirate themed restaurant with scantily clad women? Yes. Yeah, I could have gone with that. But slutty, yeah, I,
0: slutty but sweet is that? Slutty but
1: sweet. Yes, so that's the mantra. Mm. That's gonna be my mantra. Slutty but sweet.
0: Um. I think that's a that's a good one. That's a good one, <laughs>
1: but yeah, I mean, yeah, this episode was just a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, what did you think? Well, you get ping in it who they mentioned um, two episodes ago. He was being sent down to train Wendy, so he shows up in this one. He shows up at the airport, and he's alternately very silly and very serious, and he he keeps slapping Wendy in the head until um, she uh, and, until she gets angry. You don't you don't want to make Wendy angry. Don't don't do that. That's not nice. And you get you get. All kinds of great stuff like Wendy's crappy Balkan car, and you get the good-looking guy who helps fix the car, who's also working at the booty chest. Who gets my at the end? It's just a great thing where um, he gets in a fight with the Lucha Libre, and she goes to see him because they're kind of you know, they I guess they kind of had a bit of a meet cute around the car, and then they had a meet strange in the restaurant. And then he gets knocked unconscious, and there's just a great moment where she goes to see him in the end, and she has flowers for him. And as she's about to step in, this doctor steps up and says, "Are you family?" "Yes, I'm his sister." "Okay, I just want to tell you he has amnesia." And she says, "Like amnesia? That's real? I thought that was just something like in movies or something like that." "No, he has two day amnesia." <laughs> He can't remember anything that happened in the two days. And it's great because when they show Natalie Morales right there, they got more or less a close-up on her face, the camera's kind of slightly to her right. But it's great because as she's saying, two-day amnesia, she kind of looks all around and throws, just for a second she looks at the camera. Almost like she's saying, two-day amnesia. Can you believe that? And then she, she looks around. So it's a great moment. It's one of those. It's one of those wonderfully weird moments that that pepper the show. And the episode is the episode is nuts. I mean, in the when when the middleman has to take on the the man of a thousand masks, who's actually a thousand. Was it a hundred men? I. Forget. It was a hundred. A hundred men. Sorry, it was a hundred men in the same mask. And he has to take them out. It just it gets crazier and crazier, and then it all ends with Pink standing there, ready to get in a big fight. He screams and his shirt just rips off, without he doesn't do anything. His shirt just like that's sort of a thing, like that's a ping thing, you know. Like he, get, he can get his shirt to do that. It's a very Zucker, Zucker, Abrams Zucker kind of thing. But it's it's full of crazy stuff, and there's a gags with the cars and with the booty stuff, and um, it's just it's it there, there yeah there isn't quite as much. Um, of lucha libre guys as you think there should be, but um, there is there is there there was there was I think there was enough for me. I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it, <laughs> but uh, but it's it's a lot of fun, and I I like when Ping is trying to talk to all of them, and he says um, and and there's just bit where he's like. Uh, Sensei Ping would like to speak, and all the all the rest is like ah. They all turn away, like whatever. <laughs> and the lead guys try don't let him speak. And they're, they're a fun bunch. They really are. It's it's fun too. The the like um, they're in kind of a strange set where the, all the fighting happens in the final scene, which is kind of a cool set, almost a Star Trek style set. Which I'm not. It, it you know it's not real, but it's kind of has a has a fun sort of feel to it where they love the pings in the in the prison and all the hundred guys come running out of nowhere and there's all this constant fighting and it's um it's a heck of an episode there's there's really a lot that goes on um what what else do you have uh uh, on this what because there's a there's a lot well
1: because because obviously sensei ping is the big deal because He's middleman is his apprentice or was his apprentice, yes. and so he's he's very strict on okay you can't mention you can't ask yeah. him why he's wearing a luchador mask, you can't um, mention his age and you can't um, mention the clan of the pointed stick was no. that was it what yes it was? yes <laughs> and he's very he's like drilled this into Wendy you know and my favorite thing is when ida i can't remember what ida says when she's going back and forth with me but she tells Ida she or, no. No, have something else. Never mind. The <laughs> point is that... Um, I can
0: edit around but, that.
1: So later, yeah. So, but then later, a lot happens. Uh, later does, when she's really um, picking picking the sensei thing up in her, her little Balkan car there, <laughs> and he irritates her for the last time, and she goes, and like in rapid succession... Goes mm-hmm. well. I'm sh- something about. Well, I wouldn't ask why you're wearing that Mexican wrestler mask, but you know, you certainly don't look. Or something about being old, and mm. I guess you're bitter about being part of something with a craptastic name like Clan of the Pointed Stick.
0: <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and what does he do? His reaction to that is to grab the steering wheel. Yes,
0: that was great because there's a pause. <laughs> he looks at her, pauses, and then and then.
1: And then later, because he gets kidnapped by the the luchadors there, mm-hmm. and middleman is asking, well, why were you pulled over? How did they get you to pull over? We were already kind of pulled over. Well, why? And then she tells him what he did, or what she did, and he's like, why? Why would you do that? And he, she says, well, he kept bopping me on the head, and he <laughs> insulted my car. And he's like, and? <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and she goes, so let me get this straight. Mm. She's like, did you did you tell him to stop? Did you talk to him reasonably at um, all? No. So let me get this right. Your go-to response (laughs) was to specifically mention these three things I told you not to mention.
0: Yes. Uh, It's yeah. It's it's um. It's I'm I'm so glad like that they that that ping shows up and that he wasn't just a single mention. In the first episode, I I'd like to hope that he trains Wendy in something. Uh, I know he's impressed with her by the end because she I don't know does she fly a Harrier jet? What is Wendy flying?
1: It was I think it was a Harrier jet.
0: Yes, and I mean, supposed to be. and it's great because of course when when I think of Harrier jets I think of a movie I haven't seen since I think I saw in the theater in 1994 and that would be the Great True Lies, which ends with a sequence where Arnold Schwarzenegger's character goes to save his daughter. Um, uh, from terrorists who are on like the side of a skyscraper in a Harrier jet, and that's where. And, and the moment um, I think Lacey says, "Are you in a Harrier jet right now?" When she's yes. on the phone with her, I'm like, "Oh, Harrier jet! Those are awesome." And and it's it's great. I love the fact that Wendy can just fly anything. That that's that's cool, and it's just like I don't question it. She does no. it. She does it. I don't question. No, and, her
1: dad was a pilot, so of course she can.
0: Yes, exactly. Because and 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 I don't question. I'm, I'm still not 100 percent certain why Lacey was in the giant, yellow, bear suit. Is that that's an interpretive mm-hmm. dance or something she's doing? My
1: or? my understanding is, if you go by what the middleman says when he sees the bear head, because oh. my first thought, because I'm like obviously my mind is in the gutter, is like, yeah. oh my god, is she some kind of furry? Oh but yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: When the middleman comes in and says that. No, I understand because she's the bear head, sitting on the coffee mm-hmm, table mm-hmm. like casually, and he makes a comment about it. And she's he goes, "Oh, I understand because I had my parents gave me three thousand Lincoln Logs or mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. and I could only build with them if I was wearing a badger suit." So my understanding is that, she, that if she's <laughs> feeling like an artistic block, the only way she can unblock herself is by wearing a yellow bear, bear suit. suit.
0: Okay, because they show her dancing during the closing credits, so, so that must be like um, uh like um. If, yeah, yeah. If you got to let yourself go, you got to, you know, like me. I'll get up and just I'll, I pace around and I talk to myself when I got a, you know, if I got a mental block or I can't write or something like that. But I could also see putting on a bear suit and just getting hip hop and jiggy with it would um, be a perfect thing to do.
1: Yeah, sure. We we're all artists. We all yes. have our own ways to we're unblock our ourselves. Thing.
0: We're all doing our thing. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and one of the one of the running gags throughout this, although it's not not really gag, is when she's going to get paid. And, yes, and then what she does in the end—it's really a lovely. Um, it's it's quite a lovely moment, I think, when he gives her the car. And it's funny because Lacey has a line, and I didn't write it down. Maybe if I if I get it here, I'll put it at the end of the episode. She has a really crazy line that she delivers, almost like. Um, Oh uh, gosh, that remind me of delivery of is it is it Kirsten Schall or Kirsten Shell from Bob's Burgers and Gravity Falls? Yeah, um, and she she has a the line that she delivers almost exactly like a, a one of the way she delivers lines. And I forget what the line is. It's when she's talking to her about the car, and she just has this really really weird way that she says it. For a second, damn it! I should have written down. I put it at the end of the episode <laughs> so you can hear it. But it, it was just kind of really good, and it's a lovely moment when they're talking about the car. And like, boss man bought you bought you a bought you a smart car, and because that that uh, my old car was a real uh, babe magnet. Yes, it was. And <laughs> uh, it's I forget what the line was again. I'll put it in the, the episode, people. But it's it's a really it's a really lovely moment when the um, the middleman uh, enters the hallway with Noser. And, um, oh yes. And and he says, um, knows what what becomes of the broken hearted, and he says, well, they just got to try to find peace of mind, maybe. And it's just it's a sweet moment right there. And then he goes in and talks to Lacey, and she's all giggly, and you you know that I I hope that comes to something, but with only you know nine more episodes, it probably won't, unfortunately. But that would be there. Just they look like they'd be a real sweet couple. Uh, and then he goes up to talk to Wendy and they have a lovely scene together so it's just kind of um, it's it's kind of nice that the show actually has a point where um, you know you, you, we've seen Wendy walk down that hallway talk to him, go in talk to Lacey and then go up to her loft but it's great to see the middleman do that same walk and each of the people he meets we like as much as we like him and so there's kind of sweet This kind of it's kind of it's nicely done I, I've said before. I think to think about this show. This this was this was 2008. This was the time in my life when when I was a kid. I felt certain by this time in my life I'd be running my own TV shows and I'd be making shows like this and things like that. Now that hasn't happened, but that doesn't hope springs eternal in the Budnick house. But this is this is one of those shows truly that um like and I just mentioned Gravity Falls is another uh, a show that I watch and I go. I wish I'd made this I'm jealous of the people who got to make this Even if it only ran for 12 episodes That's 12 more episodes than I've ever made Now I've written things I've written all sorts of stuff and things But boy, seeing something like how, how well the show has handled itself Over the first three episodes Makes me, one, sad that it's only 12 episodes But two, happy if all 12 episodes are awesome because as with shows like say Ellery Queen I think if Ellery Queen had done a second season it would have dropped off in quality and I think I, 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 I like what we have here and um, so far the, the shows make me very happy and I'm enjoying it and I'm actually thinking of doing something that I don't normally do which is watch a few more of the episodes long before we, we're going to talk about them I never do that with the shows I watch the episodes as we're, we talk about them but I'm looking at the next couple episodes here and I'm thinking, boy, I wouldn't mind watching a couple of these. Will I? I don't know. But I might. You know me. Uh, after I, uh, Whenever I get done on a call with you, I pour a glass of wine, I cook up a prime rib and I watch two episodes of Canon. That's what I do every time I finish a call. So I'll probably do that tonight but who knows.
1: Might just be one episode of canon Watch and then that. an episode of the Middleman. You
0: that's, never know. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Um, so what? Um, what? What else do you have on this one?
1: Um, okay, so we were introduced to Tyler, the the guy. Oh yes, the cute guy. Two day am- amnesia. Yeah. Yeah, who comes up at the beginning while she's trying to fix her her car and is talking to her about it, and she's like, "Have you been helped?" Because <laughs> that's her go to if someone's like intruding or. Interrupting whatever she's doing or who she's talking to, she's like, "Have you been helped?" That's going to be my new go-to at work. I think that's a good I'm one. Just yeah. asking people, "Have you been helped?" But it turns out like he's like perfect because they're yes. like relating about music and art and all of this other stuff. Because she mentions that she loved the mood cookbook, which yes, yep. Okay, so here's a little bit of geeky trivia for you. So the Moog synthesizer came out in like the 1960s mm-hmm. and Mickey Dolenz of the Monkees was one of the first three people to actually own a Moog synthesizer. Wow, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, and and the Moog cookbook was actually like almost like a parody group. That mm-hmm. um, used moog synthesizers in their yeah. music, so I had yeah. to look that part up. But I was like, <laughs> when he mentioned the moog, I'm like, oh my gosh, them. Mickey Dolan's had one. That's
0: yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not going to argue with the moog. I moog. I um. A few years ago, a friend of mine made me a compilation compilation CDR called the the Moogapedia, oh, and yes. it was all tracks from like the late 60s, early 70s that just used the moog for everything. Yes. And um. Uh, but I'm sorry, I, I cut you off as you were yes. mooging.
1: The the monkey said to two, uh, songs that they used the Moog on, uh, on Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, uh-huh. and Jones Limited, so, and it was, a uh, Daily Nightly and Star Collector, I yeah. believe, were the two, so, and there we go, that, well, I'll save the rest of that information for my soon-to-becoming monkeys podcast. Oh,
0: you yeah. know what, I'm, I, I will forever be disappointed in myself that the monkeys came out on Blu-ray, and I completely missed it. I know. I, I am, I should have. I am unhappy with myself because I've gone online on occasion to look at it, and I'm like, do I want to spend that much on the monkeys? And then I think, yes, yes, I do. But it's yeah. – because yeah, I know I love – I adore the monkeys, you know, and it's just like, ah.
1: Yeah, that Blu-ray came out at the absolute wrong time for me. I was yes. just – I had no money mm-hmm. to get it, and I was just like, damn it. So
0: Same here. I thought, I thought it was going to be like, um, like when the Get Smart set came out on DVD. It was like through Time Life. And for yeah. like, and then and then it kind of went away from Time Life, and you were like, where'd it go? And then whoever released it after that released it, it was like half the price, and everything. I could see my Get Smart set is sitting right on the shelf here next to my Green Acres and Batman set, <laughs> and 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 um. But I I was hoping that was what it would be like. I thought surely you're not just going to release such a small quantity of the monkeys. The monkeys has always been weird, kind of in my life and syndication and things. Um, Because I remember I didn't, it was one of those shows that I read about and heard about, but it wasn't until like maybe 85, 86 or something when I was like 11 or 12 that it actually appeared somewhere in syndication. You heard about it, but you never saw it.
1: Yeah, it had a brief syndication run in the early 70s,
0: so you
1: wouldn't have seen that. And, but, the, yeah, then with the 20th anniversary in 86, it got a huge
0: resurgence because that's, that's when I started was. watching it. Yeah, that's that's what it was, yeah. Because I remember it was Monday through Friday at like 5, 5.30 or something like that. And it was I tried to catch it all I could and it was like, what a great show, what a great show. Oh, yeah. Won an oh. Emmy, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you know what show never won an Emmy? The Middleman. Green Acres and The Middleman. <laughs> <laughs> Green, Green Acres never won, never won an Emmy. Um, yeah, the middleman should probably should have won something. I wish it had gone yeah. like, along, yeah. But, you know, Get Smart won Best Comedy at the Emmys for two years, which is cool. You wouldn't you mm-hmm. wouldn't think, like, a, a show that silly like that, would. you'd think they'd give it to something a little more like Family Affair or something like that. Yeah.
1: Well, Don Adams was pretty brilliant in yes. the
0: show, so... Yes, and I, th- I think he won, like, three years in a row, like, Best Actor in a Comedy, which is cool, which yeah. is cool. I, I think Green Acres should have won some... Emmys though, but uh, but that's just me. <laughs> Jerks. Um, <laughs> but what else do you have? I'm sorry, we went off on a little tangent, but we were talking moogs. Yeah, we were talking moogs. Sorry. So, so what else? You know, where else are we going to? Oh, go? But and the, oh, please.
1: Yeah, well, I was just going to say that with Tyler because we find out that he's pretty much perfect for Wendy, and then we find out he's so perfect that he was also considered to be the middleman's apprentice.
0: Yes, that was that was a moment. That was a. Yeah. That was a nice moment, yeah.
1: Because yeah, because you think that Wendy's unique, and Wendy thinks that Wendy's unique until she finds out that well, you know, his middleman says jolly he's fat, yeah. Yeah, we're always looking for recruits because you might not have worked out, you might not have survived the tests. Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: <Yeah, yeah. laughs> you know,
1: Sensei Ping might not like you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a really nice moment because um, uh, cause, yeah, because they have this really really sweet. Um, Really sweet chat, and then and they says, yeah, what's the name of the temp agency? Uh, Jolly Fats Weehawk, and you're like, no way, and it's it's just a nice little moment where you think, okay, so how does this work? Is it another middleman? Is there a second middleman? Or no? Okay, hmm, interesting. Yeah, it's it's I was actually gonna look uh, mentioning Jolly Fats Weehawk, and there are two there are two names on here when they're in the vicinity when they're in the hospital. And they are, and one of the roads they're on. I think the road where they pull over and stop, and then the, the um, all the wrestlers attack them.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: think that I'm trying to. I, I, I I'm trying to folks. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying not to yak as much as I normally do. So I've been I've been a little calmer writing down names, but <laughs> um, boy, I've just shot myself in the ass here. What is it? <laughs> okay, now now I think um, it's um, uh, the the hospital where. He, the guy's two-man amnesia stays, I believe, is the Alfred Necessiter hospital. And Alfred Necessiter is David Warner's character in The Man with Two Brains. And the road they stop on is something like Hermie Schmegelman or something. I forget what the name of the, 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 the road is. I should have written it down. But... Um, Oh, what is it? What is it? It's a... Um, and it's also another character from The Man with Two Brains. There's a char- There's a guy in The Man with Two Brains who was the best brain surgeon ever, but he was in an accident, so he put his brain in a gorilla. And that guy is the... the what is it? Sh- 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 Shlurmy Beckerman. Does that sound right? damn it, why did I write these things? I got Alfred Necessiter. <laughs> Alfred Necessiter is right. That's the name of the hospital <laughs> where the guy's in. But they're on, it's like Shlurmy Beckerman or something like that. And he was, and it's it's characters from The Man with Two Brains. Which is fun because um, that's 83 and Jolly Fats Weehawken is from Cracking Up, the Jerry Lewis movie, which is from around 82, 83. So he's picking a lot of references not from like the 70s or anything or like classier to, to pop culture people, spots of the 80s. He's going around 82, 83, and he's doing Jerry Lewis, and one of my favorite Steve Martin movies, The Man with Two Brains. But that, that was always fun to see. When those names come up, I was like, I paused it and I was like, I know that name. I know that name. And it took about five minutes. I just said, that, I know that name. And my wife walked by and said, are you okay? And I said, not now! <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I'm, I'm lying. <laughs> and my dog came up and wanted to play and I said, you go sit down! No, I'm kidding, George. I'm kidding. No, uh, but but it, but it's fun. It's fun to see all the, all the wonderful weird because because the show is loaded with pop culture references and references from all over the place. And then Schlermy Beckerman, I think that was his name. And you're like, what's that? And they're like, that. Oh gosh. Fun. So what else do you have on this? I'm sorry that that was my man with two brains tangent. I, I'm glad I remembered that. I almost forgot that.
1: Yeah. Um, speaking of pop culture references, one from my childhood that came up and probably yours too I don't know Um, but when there is Wendy's in the car with Sensei Ping and they pulled over and he realized he calls her not he says silence my little pit viper which that should be my pet name but um, (laughs) he realized that there's something going on and she's like "Uh, Sensei Ping and he he says it is my name don't wear it out and I was like oh (laughs) Kiwi Herman
0: (laughs) oh yeah
1: (laughs) and I did cackle
0: yeah, yeah, that is the ping's an interesting guy. Yes, and he he is. I, I I do like the um that wonderful montage where he um where he's telling the all the all the wrestlers the um how he he's being blamed for killing their head guy, but he tells this elaborate story where they like his head guy that that guy came to him one day, ping one day, and wanted to teach, work with him, be taught by him, and so they like did, like, 35 days of, like, duels together or something. It's, so like, just, 25 or something like it's that. Sp- yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, like, you see, like, a shot of them, like, with, with pistols, du- duel style on a bridge, and they both spin, and one of them gets shot in the shoulder, and then they're playing random games and all sorts of stuff all over the place. It's kind of weird. It's actually a weird sort of montage where I watched it twice, but I don't think I fully uh, digested it. Because there's so yeah. much happening in the yeah. episode. That that's just like whoa, that too.
1: Well, and then the the guy that their their leader or whatever dies of a heart attack while they're playing the rock'em sock'em robot oh, thing. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because it goes from the duels with actual guns to like rock'em sock'em ro- robots, and it's just like the duel. The quality of the duels either goes up or down depending upon what you think of duels. So yeah, that's um uh, yeah. Again, I mean, three episodes in. And this this show is it's wonderfully sharp and wonderfully silly and and the joy of it is that I love the two main characters so much and the side characters like like the thing with Lacey is when I first saw Lacey I thought I don't know is she gonna be f- uh, you know I don't know what I, I'm gonna think of her I, I don't know I, I don't know why I thought that but I just love her she's great okay. and they're all great and and they they're all they're also great and whenever Ida shows up um, yeah, and Ida has some great moments here where they hook her up to the sensors, and she just uh, uh, and she's just yeah. getting sassier and sassier.
1: If you want me to see anything, you need to look around.
0: <laughs> yes, that's that's right. Because the sensor you put on the glasses, and she sees through the glasses, but they're just staring ahead. So you got to look around. Then you start to look around. It's a split screen where the middle man's looking, and then she's following his movements and looking mm-hmm. all around.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, Ida was Ida was quite the gem because the middleman gets kidnapped as well. Mm-hmm. And, again, not a lot of lucha libre-style wrestling in any of the fights. No, there, there
0: really is. It's, it's, it's more of it's, the kung fu and, and punching. And, and yeah,
1: and I this, would expect... I expect more from lucha, luchadores, but whatever. <laughs> um, so, Wendy shows up to try to... You know, with to Ida so they can formulate a plan, and Ida's like... Gonna cut and run. Yes,
0: yes, she's out of there. Yes,
1: she, she's like I'm. I'm just hooked up to this thing so I can get uh, tickets. Was <laughs> it tickets to Brazil or something oh, like yes, that? And she's yes, like, yes. I hear those. What did she call them? Some kind of jockeys yes, down so... there are real bobcats in the sack. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: Oh my gosh! Yes. And they go, and, the... And so then she tells Wendy to take the middleman jet, and she's like, "We have a middleman jet." And She goes, "What <laughs> kind? Of, what kind of outfit do you work? Yes. Do you think you're working for?" <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, and, and she goes to the. It's like um, sort of like an Aztec Mayan temple, like the itchy, itchy, itchy little, 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 little. And the word just goes on and on and on. Yeah. And they see it printed out, and a, and as we go along in the show too, you see a lot of um whenever they go from one spot to another, you get um, uh, captions telling us where we are and all sorts of strange time-related things just happen all over the globe. Yeah. Alaskan time. This Well, time.
1: and also when they were doing, because the luchadores obviously speak Spanish, and so mm-hmm. they were speaking Spanish and then they'd have the translation. But when Wendy is interrogating um, the lead luchadore guy, and I, can't, I I, don't know, his main name means the glutton. I can't remember what it was. Yes. Mm-hmm. But... Um, is she, when she speaks English, the subtitles then switch to Spanish.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's you got to figure if he's referencing 83, then he was a huge Zucker Abram Zucker fan because that was their oh, their yeah. big time right there. So so but that yeah that's it's it's it's, it's yeah it's good stuff um what what else what what else do you have in this i think that's all i have i mean the episode is crazy it, there isn't much actual wrestling in it but there are a lot of masked guys and there's a lot of running around and and some nice little plot lines here and there and the ending like i said the ending is a really sweet scene um with him passing everyone and then talking to all of them briefly and and so it's um it's a um, I almost thought he, he went to their apartment or wherever they live uh, to talk to Lacey at first. Yeah. The way he kind of goes up to her and speaks to her. Um, it's very uh, sort of intimate and such. But then he's got, he's got obviously Wendy's first paycheck. I would like to know how much, uh, I mean the car obviously is huge in uh, <laughs> a first paycheck. Yes. But I would love to know how much she got paid because they don't, because you don't, you don't see her see the check. You just see her pull a car key out right. of an envelope.
1: I would hope yeah. it'd be substantial considering she flew a Harrier jet down to Mexico to yes. save him. And it that was great too because she there's no place to land, so she's gonna have to eject. And she's <laughs> like, uh, and Ida's like, Oh, I can understand how this could be overwhelming for you, sweetie. Let me hit the remote ejector button. <laughs> like she wasn't doing that with an utmost glee. Yeah. <laughs> Since her screaming into the thing. and then she obviously Wendy saves the day because she disables the Diamond cage that's keeping Sensei mm, ping mm. bound, and there's poor middleman who's got somebody's got him in an ankle lock. <laughs> and she's so she, you know, kind of comes to the rescue in that, instance. and then she helps middleman up, and they're walking away. And she still has the parachute yes. attached to her. And he goes, <laughs> yeah. You might want to ditch your parachute, it's kind of cramping your style. And she's like, <laughs> Shut up, <laughs>
0: yeah. And then, there is a great shot of um. A very funny shot where, um, yeah, where Ida hits the ejection and then you get sort of a stock shot of like um, the, the, the top flying off of the jet and someone beginning to get ejected. And then you see like, um, like a rear projection of like a jet going down and in the foreground is just Wendy in this ejector set, like looking right, like flying up to the camera, just screaming. And it's, it's very funny. It's very nice.
1: Yeah, I love that. I just uh, love that. And the fight to okay, this is probably just me. If you watched um, WCW wrestling in like the late '90s, early <laughs> 2000s, you're probably looking at all the luchadores trying to look for masks that you can recognize. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there is a La Parka mask in there. That was the only one I like. Immediately went, I know that guy. Mm-hmm. So
0: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's um ah. <sighs> uh... I'm trying to think if there's anything else we, we've we forgotten. Um, I Well, we've probably forgotten a lot of stuff, actually. But let's see. Ping, and he's there, and he slaps her in the head, and there's a car, and there's another car, and there's. Mm, uh, Ping's. Ping, Sensei Ping's uh, <laughs> luggage should never touch the pavement! <laughs> and then he turns away, and she's just staring, him, just staring at him.
1: And the way he says his name, Sensei Ping?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: With that inflection, oh, yes. it's just
0: beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So, so what else do you have? I, I think I'm, I'm I, I've, I've, I've said enough of my favorite parts on this. I think I, again, three episodes in a row, three winners. Keep, keep watching.
1: Yep. The only thing I'm gonna mention is Sensei Ping was played by <laughs> Mark DeCascos. so he is relevant to my interests because he actually played Wofat in the um, 2010 oh. Hawaii Five-O. Wow. Oh, yeah. Cool. But um, he was also he was also in a couple of episodes of Stargate Atlantis, and that's a different story. And that's what I always – when I see him, that's what I think of him first. Okay. But what most people will probably think of him is he was in the uh, series, the Crow Stairway to Heaven TV show. He played Eric oh. Draven in uh-huh. that, which was, I guess, the main Crow guy. Okay. I don't know. I didn't watch.
0: I'm yeah, sorry. I didn't watch that one either.
1: But yes, but he is a martial arts master, and it, mm-hmm. it definitely shows in the final scene. Yeah. Um. I. I don't know how how uh, accurate the Wuhan Thumb of Death move <laughs> is. It's the Wuhan
2: Thumb of Death. But I I'm
1: sure it. that wasn't actually the actual move
0: used, you know, in the series. Yes, yeah. yeah, the, the Thumb of Death is funny. Uh, we won't ruin what happens with the Thumb of Death, but it's um, it's no. funny. It's it's, no. <laughs> yeah. it's
1: something we hear about at the beginning and it pays off in the end.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, so um, if that if that's all you you have on this one, I think I'm good.
1: No. Yeah, I'm good. It was another fun episode.
0: Yes, yeah. And so where where can we find you online?
1: You can find me at a k a kikiwrites dot com. It's the home of my podcast uh, Bookham Dano, an old Hawaii Five O podcast where I'm covering Yay. the nineteen sixty eight Hawaii Five O series. Um, you can also find me at my blog, KikiWritesAbout.com. And you can find me, Talking Luchadores, on Twitter, at yeah. KikiWrites.
0: Yeah. All right, everyone. And that was that. was that one. Next up is, ooh, the Manicoid Teleportation Conundrum. Oh, I like it. I'm interested. I might watch that now. I am going to watch that now. Talk to you later. And that's episode 131, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. I will. Although I don't think I'm saying his name in the next one, but but Javier GM, the uh, the creative middleman, I will get his name. I had. Did I did I not get it right the first? I forgot. But uh, no. But I saw the name this time, and I, I blanked for a second on how to to hit the pronunciation correctly, and I just went with it. I just went with the the um, JGM, which is a fun bunch of initials, right? So anyway, uh, that was that was the episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Let's see what's going on, what's going on. Oh, uh, at eSuperTrain1 on Twitter. Uh, Venture super Train on Facebook. You can email me at DannySlacks, D-A-N-N-Y-S-L-A-C-K-S at yahoo.com. And, um, and we're on Stitcher and SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. So, yeah, keep listening to us. Keep loving the show. Thank you. Feel free to leave a rating wherever you can. We appreciate it. And listen to this.
2: Blocksmanda come tu ali Super Super Trainer, Blogspud.com Commit you on the Super Trainer, Blogspud.com